0: everybody, I'm Tim Yuma, and you've ordered up Scrambled Eggs today on localjobnetwork.com radio. Scrambled Eggs is a more laid-back, entertaining approach to the employment realm, looking at the world from a slightly different lens from time to time. For this program, we're taking a slightly different approach as we again look at a job, a career really, that wouldn't be categorized as traditional, like a teacher, office assistant, clerk, Instead, we're privileged to have with us Jason Jacoby, a professional actor who hails from a New York City suburb, but spending some time in Milwaukee for a unique musical that we will touch on later. Jason, just uh, really appreciate you coming in to talk to us today. First off, you know, I did mention uh, as far as you being an actor, but obviously that's not quite the whole story and it's sort of a rather vague label. So if you would, just describe your talents, your experience a little bit, somewhat in a way if you were pitching yourself to the theater world. Well, um... I try to describe myself as as an actor, a singer, a
1: puppeteer, uh, sort of dancer with enough <laughs> with enough rehearsal. I can I can dance. I've done enough shows, um, enough musicals where I've 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 been quite proud of the dancing I've done. But I, I guess I would categorize myself more as just a performer, which I guess is even more vague. Sure. But there's something I I kind of like about uh, the sort of chameleon aspect of. Of that phrase. Um, I don't really want to pigeonhole myself as just being like a stage actor or just being a singer, just being a puppeteer. Um, I really do enjoy all aspects of performing, and whether or not that's beneficial in the business is kind of hard to say. But sure. I I do think there's something beneficial to being able to to have a, a lot of different skills
0: um, and to you know to to be proud of that to wear that on your sleeve. Yeah, definitely. I I think that does become a balance sometimes as mm. far as perfecting one area or just being that versatile. I guess in that term though, you talk about just enjoying the idea of being a performer what are the specific acts, aspects that you truly do enjoy that you love that maybe you could you pick out a few things that really just get you going so to speak
1: well puppetry certainly really gets me going um a show like avenue q is is just like pure joy it's such a delight to do because it's combining all of the training I've had really into one show, um, you know, we're singing and dancing and puppeteering um, and acting all at the same time. So I really do enjoy puppetry. I mean, I, I've, I've been a fan of, of the work of Jim Henson and the Muppets, of course, for, you know, for since I can remember mm-hmm. um, that kind of what really got me into performing I mean, I love to sing, so there's that too. But yeah, I mean, I would say puppetry is kind of the most fun to me at the
0: moment. Sure, and kind of what we talked about. I think mm-hmm. just it's fascinating that aspect of it because it's, in terms of non-traditional, it's even even more so because yeah. so few people I think really understand it, master it, that kind of thing. So yeah. uh, it is really a neat thing to see. And again, we will we'll touch in a lot of detail on yeah. that a little bit later. In terms of your performance obviously people see the final product. Really, does anybody get to go back and you know see all the work that goes into it from beginning to end? Could you maybe just run us through a little bit of what your typical day would be in terms of training, um, learning, developing, adjustments, all that kind of stuff that, again, the general public's not going to see for the most part? Sure. I mean, what's
1: crazy is that there, there's not really such a thing as a typical day. Um, it kind of depends. If if I'm not working on anything currently, a typical day would be going through any audition notices I can find. Um, you know, there's there's a number of different websites and publications that have uh, audition postings and whatnot, you know, and, and seeking future work. Uh, <laughs> that That's sort of an everyday thing. Right. And if I'm taking a class or, or something like that, um, if we're in If I'm in rehearsal for something, there's still not really a typical rehearsal day. Generally in a rehearsal, uh, um, if we're doing like a musical, early on in the process, the first handful of days um, would be – learning all the music, working with the musical director and, you know, doling out parts and making sure everyone's singing the right notes and and that kind of thing, Mm. Uh, working with the choreographer and going over all of the dance, learning all the dancing for all of the like sort of larger numbers. Um, That typically happens earlier on in the process for a musical. Okay, And then you get to a point where you're then going to work on what we'd call the book scenes, the, the like dialogue without sure. any singing or dancing in it with the director where they're doing blocking and staging where, you know, in a very general sense, it's, you know, at the top of the scene, you're going to come in through this door, around this line, you're going to cross to the table and around this line, go back to her. Okay. And then, you know, the, give it a really basic shape and then we'll fill it in with much more detail as we go. And then at some point, you get to where you're kind of just running through everything and really getting into a muscle memory. And then at some point, you get on the stage, you add all the technical elements. It's a time for you as a performer to really take a back seat and to let the costumes, the costume designer, the lighting designer, the set designer, the sound designer, all of these other people bring in their craft and their work into it. and uh, then then it's performance time, and then then it's opening night, and then all those people go away, all the designers <laughs> go away, the director goes away, the choreographer goes away, everybody goes away, and uh, you're back to um, you, what you've done in rehearsal uh, on
0: stage now with, with all of the elements. Right. I think people in the back of their mind know that there's a lot of work that goes mm-hmm. into it, but I mean, just you right there, just breaking that all down, I, and then... It all comes together for our viewing in a couple hours. Essentially, mm-hmm. I think that's that's the part that's you know rather fascinating. That, that people don't they understand that it happens, they don't really get it. And I think I think it's good to hear that. Yeah, time I mean, time.
1: There, there can be weeks, if not a month or two, involved in rehearsal, depending on the scale of the show. Sure. Um, and then there's a lot of work that I'll do before rehearsals technically begin. I mean, I'll do. I like to go in on day one very. Prepared As prepared as possible, mm-hmm. um, as memorized as possible with all the dialogue that I have and uh, doing as much script analysis and character work as possible beforehand um, so that I can come in on day one and really be ready to like – to, to play, really, and sure. to to kind of explore the world of the play and the world of these characters with all
0: of these other people now that have uh, ideally done all of their homework also. <laughs> right, and then and that's a key that we'll touch on as well—the mm-hmm. idea of you know your castmates, your teammates, so to speak, and how that does play a factor. Going back, kind of to the beginning for you, really, you mentioned a little bit about the the puppetry and, and having a, a passion for that, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I guess when did all this kind of really start or come together in terms of wanting to be a performer and actually thinking this is something that's going to be in your future? Because a lot of kids probably would say, oh, I want to be this, I want to be that. And at some point, for whatever reason, it, it changes or it goes mm-hmm. away. So when did it really start for you to really develop and, and how did that kind of come to be?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a real gradual thing. Um, as I said before, I've I've been I think obsessed is not too strong a word um, uh, for my feelings about uh, the work of Jim Henson. I mean, I was really in love with it as a kid uh, and still am. But as a kid, I used to play with – you know, with stuffed animals, with with puppets, and and make little home movies with them. So I guess it sort of started and started in there. Um, getting into like middle school and high school, I was in the drama club and the sure. speech and debate club and those kinds of things. And that's kind of where I got a real like a real passion for it, and and uh, more of a real taste for what it is to actually be on stage, to actually have a script, to develop a real uh, a character, and, um, and to get an immediate response from an audience was really exciting in high school. And then graduating high school and thinking about where I was gonna go to college and what I was gonna do, theater was just kind of a logical conclusion that I came to, that I, I just really couldn't envision doing anything else at the moment. So I thought, you know, I, I, I'll I'll do this for now. I'll go, you know, to uh, and get an undergrad degree in in theater arts. Can't hurt. And I've <laughs> been lucky enough that then I've been able to work with just that. That I have a BA in theater arts, and that's it. Um, sure. And I've been lucky enough to to work pretty consistently since then. Um, so in college, it was really solidified that. You know, this is something that I I really do want to do. I want to perfect it. I want to hone it. I I, I really want to, like, own this craft.
0: And with that, especially later, like you said, in college or even as you started getting out in the job world, I guess how many times or how often was it that – you yourself had questions about, eh, is this really going to work out? Is this really something that's sustainable? Or maybe other people had questions. I mean, did that kind of fear or concern come up from time to time, or how often did it? All the time.
1: Okay. <laughs> it's it's coming up right now. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's always a, a lingering fear that things might not pan out um, the way you expect. I mean, they they never really do pan out the way you expect. Again, I've been I've I've really been quite lucky, um, especially in the past couple of years. Um, but but there's always this uh, there's always a fear of not being able to make a living. A real sustainable living, doing it. I've had a lot of support with family and friends, um, but uh, getting through that, there was always just this inherent love for it and this um, just a, a drive to to pursue it. You know, it's just something that I, at some point, really wanted to do, and so you know, whatever fears there may be, I just kind of put them aside and and push forward.
0: And we talked a little bit before, um, before we actually came on the air here in terms of looking ahead, you don't necessarily have anything lined up per se. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there've been times throughout your career where there's been lapses or, or lags. Uh, so with that in mind, I'm sure you've always heard the cliche, uh, you know, every actor is a waiter or server, especially mm-hmm. if you go out to LA or New York, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. For yourself though, what other jobs have you had either prior to your career, or even within your career, in terms of, it could be anything, anything that helped you make ends meet, so to speak.
1: Yeah, I've, I've done a lot of box office work, actually. Okay. Um, I've been, I was going to say lucky, but I don't know if it's lucky or not to not have to, uh, to not be a waiter. Uh, <laughs> there was just something in me that was like, you know what, I, I just don't want to, I don't want to be that cliche. Sure. So um, uh, I've worked in a lot of box offices. Um which uh, gave me a a decent amount of flexibility to still audition, to still perform. I worked at uh, a box office at Theater Row in New York City. It was on 42nd Street in New York City. It's a a really, really interesting space. It's um, like an off-Broadway. They have six theaters in the building, six little off-Broadway theaters in the building. Um, So it was a great opportunity to meet a lot of people, to see a lot of theater. There were shows in and out all week, every week. Um, and I worked there for a while, on and off, at, part-time. I worked um, worked at a museum for a little while, okay. managing kind of group sales and whatnot. Still a sort of faction of box office work, <laughs> um, but it paid a little better.
0: <laughs> um, so, yeah. And, and with that... And that's kind of the idea is obviously with any job, utilizing the certain skills you have, and the box office at a theater it makes a lot of sense there, your knowledge, and I'm sure you picked up things from people and mm-hmm. um, different performances you saw. But, I mean, let's talk about the, the museum part of it. What sort of skills maybe did you take with you from your, your performing on stage into that realm of, of sales or any other mm-hmm. aspects maybe that you were asked to do in that position
1: well it's just I mean really interacting with people dealing with people is something that you get a uh, I think a really good sense for as an actor I mean as they always say is acting is reacting um, and uh, when you're acting you sort of have you have an agenda you have your goal what you want the other characters to do mm-hmm. and you have different tactics of getting them to do that and the script will tell you whether you're successful or not at those things but, honing that kind of skill and being able to kind of read your partner and see how they're feeling about what you just said and did to them and changing your tactics to still try to get what you want out of them, I think is invaluable really for, for just for life. Um, mm-hmm. So that certainly helped in, in selling a product at the museum and selling the exhibits and whatnot too. I did a, it was selling to like school groups and, and sure. scout groups and camps and things like that.
0: Well, isn't it there a phrase out there about the world being just one big play or one giant right. musical, yes. that kind of thing? So I guess it fits in there. And then in terms of going back to the the stage uh, and any of your performances, what do you see as the biggest challenges, whether it be something with a character or something physical that you're doing or mentally? Uh, what do you kind of – what would you put out there as maybe the, the challenges that maybe are most difficult for you or in general in talking with you know different people mm-hmm. who perform – what stands out as far as those challenges that you know we may not even have any idea of as the general mm-hmm. public. I mean, different um, different pieces bring their own challenges with them.
1: You know, certain shows that are, if it's a musical that are more dancey, there's there's dancing challenges, there's singing challenges. You know, there's there's those kinds of challenges. But I think in a general sense, trying to create truth on stage is. Um, really for any piece and any actor, I think the number one challenge. I mean, it's what you are trying to do, what people, what the general audience is seeing uh, and responding to, whether they know it or not, whether they can really pinpoint it or not, I think is the truth between two characters, Mm -hmm. is the relationship between people. And there can be all this other Stuff on top of it, um, music and dancing and action sequences and and all of that. But at the heart of it, what people really respond to is the relationship between two characters. Um, is the relationship between two real people on stage that they're watching interact? And I think trying to really find the truth and the real life in an imaginary uh, situation is the real challenge. I mean, that's what they also say acting is. Um, living truthfully under imaginary circumstances. Okay. Um, so that, I, I think that's really an actor's biggest challenge and I think it's it's constant and it, it changes with with piece to piece, with play to play, um, based on the characters and the situations and whatnot. There's always, there's a different kind of truth that you're trying to get at and to reveal on stage for an audience. And it's, it's
0: usually, if it's written well, it's never easy to do. <laughs> okay. So then when you come across that, especially because it's, it's every time you're out there, basically, mm-hmm. what are the strategies? What are the ways that you can overcome that? What, how do you get to that point where you feel you're doing your job in that way?
1: It's relying on on your partners and on your peers, on your colleagues, really. In the training that I've had, um, what, what I found is the easiest way to, to be truthful is to forget about yourself. I mean, you do all the character work and all that objective work and all that stuff beforehand. And in rehearsal, you really fine tune it. And then when you get out there, you let it go, forget about it. And you you play with this other person. You <laughs> interact with the person. Right. Um, forget about yourself and focus on what they're doing and how they're reacting to you. And that w- should just bring up emotion and real life in yourself. If you're just honestly having moments with another human
0: being on stage. That should should be truthful. And not to put you on the spot or anything here, mm-hmm. but because you bring it up in terms of that interaction and, and really playing, interacting with that person, can you relate that to the sales position or somebody in an office where there is that interaction? I mean, do you think that's something that goes on that maybe would be a useful skill for just about anybody in some regard? Oh, sure. Yeah.
1: I mean, you know, in life, I mean, we have we all have objectives and and goals and things that we want other people to do. Um, particularly in in a job setting, I think you know if you're trying to sell a product, you're trying to get somebody to invest in something. Mm. Um, if you're in a classroom, a teacher, you're trying to get um, these students to to really understand what you're saying and to um, to really take it in um, in more than just a. a like cerebral way, sure. you know. There's different. Uh, there's different tactics that we use to, to get people to do things, and it's not. It, it can sort of sound like a devious thing, <laughs> but I, I think
0: a lot of it in real life happens totally subconsciously. Right. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree, and and that's a lot of these shows we've done. A lot of different people in the business world will bring up the same thing. It's a skill like any other. And mm-hmm. it, like you said, you don't want it to make it sound like you're taking advantage or you're being devious, but it's just, it's a reality of relationships, whether it be personal, professional, or, or a relationship on the stage that you're kind of creating. Right. Cause you can't forget that even if, if you're trying to get
1: investors to invest in something it may seem devious uh, or sly for you to have these objectives of trying to get them to do something, but they, on the other side of the table, have their own objectives also, and they are trying to get something else out of you and out of each other at the same time. Definitely.
0: Now, with that, there are going to be times that every actor, performer, employee struggles. So what do you do if you're at a point, for whatever reason, you're just, you're not feeling it. You're, you don't feel you're getting a character down or, uh, it's just not working for you. Where do you go? Do you turn to someone? Do you, do you internally find something? What's kind of your strategy to get past those struggles that are inevitably going to happen?
1: Yeah, it's hard. Um, I mean, that's why a good director is, is a key to everything. I think, um, A really good director and and even good producers can be people that you turn to um, in situations like that where you can go to them uh, on a break during rehearsal, after rehearsal, or, you know, depending on who the people are right in the middle of rehearsal and say, you know, can we take a minute here? I, I don't I'm not. Understanding what I'm doing, mm-hmm. I, I don't get. I'm phoning it in, as as we say all the time. Um, <laughs> I'm not really feeling this. I don't really understand what I'm saying, why I'm saying it, and why she's saying this thing back to me. And a good director will be someone who can. Really talk you through it and can really get you to the level that uh, that they want you to be at, and then you want to be at
0: yourself. You bring up an interesting point with the idea of a director because, mm-hmm. you know, obviously a lot of things we talk about here in terms of employment, and you have these hierarchies of managers and supervisors and, and so on up the ladder. In terms of having a director or other people that are helping out in in a show, how does that all work? I mean, is it does it seem more? team-oriented, even with people that maybe have a a title that's above yours? Is it still a certain uh, procedure when you go to talk to somebody, I guess? How does that work in terms, if you could relate it somehow to kind of your your typical office or employment uh, hierarchy?
1: Yeah, I think it's much more team-oriented. It's much more like an ensemble in the arts, I I would say. Um, there's obviously still the hierarchy. Um, there's obviously still certain levels of respect that you have to give different people. And so in that sense, there's a different way that you would talk to uh, different people. I would talk to the producer, the artistic director of a company in a different way than I would talk to my castmates sure. in a different way than I would talk to um, you know, the, the stage manager or somebody on the run crew. You know, The relationships are all slightly different, but everyone is there really to bring an inanimate piece of, of art, the, the play, to life and mm-hmm. bring it to some life. So everyone's there for the same goal. And so in that sense, it's a much more it's, it's much more like a community, much more like an ensemble. At least in, in my experience in in successful uh, uh, companies and in successful uh, productions, everyone is it's, – it's much more tight-knit um, and a little loose. And different directors, directors specifically, different directors work in different ways. Right. Um, Donna Drake, who directed this current production of Avenue Q, is extremely down to earth and extremely approachable and is, you know, right there with us on – Say whatever. Say whatever. You know, it doesn't. There, there's no. Um, there's no boundaries. There's no. Uh, uh, don't have any reservations. Right. Um, we're all artists. Let's just
0: talk about it. And you kind of mentioned it being an ensemble, a community, that kind of thought. And you mentioned this a little bit earlier about relying on your castmates, relying on, in in essence, teammates, coworkers, however you want to phrase it, because it relates, you know, across different industries. Can you maybe give us an example of when you really shine because of a teammate or you struggled and you felt maybe it was because there was a fracture you mm-hmm. know, in that kind of community? I mean, are you able to maybe pick out an example or two of positive and negative where it really does show how important it is to work together, especially in your industry? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think um, to bring it back to this
1: production of Avenue Q again, um, and I think it's it's possible that it's the nature of the show. But this production is really, I think it's, uh, there's a really solid group of performers here. And it it creates, uh, we just have a, it's a great ensemble. Um, we can all rely on each other. Everyone knows that each other is there for them. And uh, you know, if there's little things like a missed line, a dropped line, a missed cue, things like that, it's, there's no panic. You know, sure. it's just, um, it's a free flowing um, uh, thing. Um, and everyone is is super comfortable with one another. Everyone really gets along. And I think that really adds to the final product. Um, if everyone in the cast gets along, and I don't think we don't need to be best friends. We don't need to be lifelong friends or anything. And sometimes that will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's great when that happens. Um, but I think it is kind of essential that everyone really get along outside of rehearsal to some degree. Because then it makes the work in rehearsal and in, in performance that much stronger. Everyone's just much more comfortable to just let go and play. And if there are big emotional moments, um, I think that they, they can tend to be sort of stifled if you're not comfortable being totally open and, and exposed and bare in front of these other people. Right. If you're bickering backstage, if you don't really like this person or that person, I think then the work can suffer
0: and without having to name names or productions or anything like that i mean can you cite in general an example maybe where it did really get hurt by one member or just maybe just a there was for some reason it just didn't mesh can you maybe pick out a time where that happened and walk us through that a little bit because again so many times we just see the performances and Mm -hmm. especially an amateur like myself who's watching i i always seems like you guys just do great and i know Mm -hmm. it's not always the case so can you pick out a time when maybe something like that happened? Sure. Yeah. I mean, th- th- there's been there's been productions
1: when. Um whether I haven't gotten along really with someone, um, and not even like outwardly not gotten along, but uh, you know, just a personality with, clash. Exactly, kind of, okay. kind of a personality clash, and sort of like you know, this guy I just don't, <laughs> I just don't like this guy, um, and it becomes it can become difficult to then go out on stage together if you have a lot of stage time together and um, go through the show, go through the emotional ups and downs of the show. If you can't get over that uh, real life friction, mm-hmm. um, so that that has happened, um, and I th- I like to think that that I'm professional enough, and that the people I work with are professional enough and good enough that that someone like you coming to see the show wouldn't necessarily see that. Right. Um, I mean, I think it's kind of I mean, it's definitely an intangible thing, but it's sort of – it's something that can, I think, take like a really good performance to a really great level or not Mm -hmm. based on your sort of offstage relationships.
0: How about if you – say you don't get along with that person for whatever reason – and then also in the performance, you are enemies. Or I mean, mm-hmm. does it help in any regard, or does it still make it difficult because there's still supposed to be a relationship professionally between you? Yeah, I, I suppose it could help. I've never been in that situation. Okay. I guess it could help. Um, it could also
1: make things even more awkward, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found in, in a couple of plays that I've been, that I've played more of a villainous character, I found that having a strong... Um, friendship with, uh, some of the other people that, uh, you know, I would prey on or pick on during the show Mm -hmm. actually helps on stage because it's just so much more fun to look (laughs) a friend in the eye and to say some of these terrible things, you know, you're just much more willing to, um, to really go there and, Mm -hmm. um, and experience that, uh, kind of aggression or whatnot. Um, so, because wait, so, you know so that you're if, saying you like playing a villain. What yeah.
0: I, I, I actually really do. Okay. I, I don't right. get to play villains much, <laughs> but I,
1: I really do like playing a villain because you get to behave in ways that you can't behave in real life <laughs> like most
0: villains in a play. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I think a lot of people actually would feel the same way as you. Like, it's kind of fun to play the bad guy. Yeah, have no consequences in real life. Exactly. It's, like... it's totally fun. Well, we've certainly covered a lot of different aspects of acting thus far on this episode of Scrambled Eggs, including the skills that transfer to other jobs, as well as the passion and the obstacles that exist in the theater world. Our guest has been Jason Jacoby, actor, singer, puppeteer, versatile performer in general. He's been kind enough to give us his take from his unique perspective. You can find out more about him at jason-jacoby.com. That's J-A-S-O-N-J-A-C-O-B-Y.com. We did also take some more time to talk with Jason about his roles in the musical Avenue Q, which features puppetry. And we got some advice on acting, something we'll all do at some point in our jobs. To hear that part, which is in the rest of our conversation, go to localjobnetwork.com and click on the radio tab near the top of your screen to find the on-demand radio section. There you can find Jason Jacoby, actor, singer, puppeteer, part two. That'll be the rest of our conversation that you can listen to. If you have any comments or suggestions for our show, please send them to LJN Radio at LocalJobNetwork.com. I'm your host, Tim Yuma. We'll talk to you later.